0: anything better than a little backyard barbecue with friends maybe a beverage or two imagine that scene except twice as fun because chippo has been worked into the equation one of my favorite games to play not just golf games but backyard games imagine cornhole style six ball scoring you can play two on two the perfect foursome showdown for backyard bragging rights if you want to purchase your first chippo today fun for all ages Go to chippogolf.com. Use the promo code ripping it for 15% off your first order. Harold, I'll speak for myself here. Suck at putting? Yeah, I do. Know what can help you improve? Yeah, I do. That's perfect practice. The best putting mat that I have used. Don't just take my word for it. I'm, I'm a hack, I'm a six handicap. Over a hundred pros in the PGA Tour have tried out Perfect Practice. It's great for alignment, for drills. You can use it in your hotel room, your apartment, your house, on the road. Super convenient. Go to perfectpractice.golf, promo code, ripping it to get fifteen percent off. Welcome into episode number three of Ripping It. George Savvakis alongside Harold Varner. Harold, the first major edition of Ripping It as a Chicagoan for me this time of year always signified spring golf season. Plus, it's Masters Week. Doesn't get much better than that.
1: No, um, obviously it's super exciting just to get the championship season going. You know, um, Florida Swing was great. You know, obviously it's super highly competitive, but just really good to just see some major championship golf.
0: What comes to mind when you think Masters Week?
1: Um, I mean, in North Carolina, growing up, it was just like. It's time you know you've been playing the golf for a good bit, and then the weather's just turned around to be just like perfect and you know it is it's pretty ideal, you know mid seventies and just uh just um seeing Tiger win a lot was obviously super common and uh just exciting finishes i don't I didn't really watch much of it. the most I've really watched was when Tiger won in i think nineteen, I believe that was like obviously really cool to watch and obviously we'll, we'll get into that more, but it's just, uh, you know, it's an exciting tournament. You know, it always has something special about it every year.
0: Is it So for me, it's it's been this kind of odd scheduling quirk where I've never actually been to Augusta, but I've worked the last seven Masters, and this will be the eighth time for Golf Channel where I'm involved in, in live from in some capacity. And just haven't been lucky enough to actually see the grounds and really take it in firsthand. I've had other people relate to me, just how amazing it is to see kind of the topography changes on the back nine and what it's actually like in person. Have you been to Augusta or are you waiting until you have the invitation?
1: Um, I say I'm waiting, but if I got an invite, I'd probably go. Um, no, I've never been. Well, plug there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) I think my, my time's coming. It's, um, is what it is i just you know i want to get there and play in the tournament um i've heard obviously heard so much about it some of my friends have played it so sometimes i'm jealous and then sometimes it just makes me want to work harder and figure out a way to get there in the tournament
0: what have you heard from your buddies on tour uh, about what the experience is like at augusta
1: the biggest thing i've heard is just the undulation um you know i just you can't really i guess they say tv doesn't really do it justice but you know, I just want to, I want to see it myself. So, and then, obviously, I've heard some great stories of some of my colleagues that have played in it, just, you know, some great stories that I don't even know if they would want to share. So it's uh, it's super cool. Um, the first one that comes to mind is Ricky Barnes' story, which I'm sure you've heard. Um, but, yeah, I just want to get there. It's kind of like a bittersweet type thing. Like, oh, that's cool, but, like, I want to play.
0: Yeah, Ricky, of course, uh U.S. amateur champ, and then had the invite there. And uh, Remember, he was paired back then. It seemed like he and Tiger were playing in every major together, and I know he had uh, what a fun night in the, the crow's nest and made the most of his Masters week. When you are taking this in as a spectator, obviously you want to be there. How much of Masters coverage are you actually going to take in? And we're lucky enough to have a guy who's heavily involved in ESPN's master's coverage and Scott Van Pelt joining us later in the show are you going to be glued to watching The final round or like the, the first round or you just catch pieces here and there as you're working on your own game How do you balance it?
1: Oh, I mean social media has made it, you know, obviously they have the app They just made it where you can watch a lot of it from their app, you phenomenal Yes, uh, it's pretty cool. So, so if you want to see something you can just click on it and just watch it. And then, obviously, social media has made it to where, you know, if something crazy happens, it's going to show up. So I'll, I'll be playing a lot of golf. I, that's what I love doing, you know, more than watching it. Watching it. You feel like you're, you know, someone's getting better while you're not. And I, I don't like that feeling.
0: From other majors that you've played in, how different is the energy major weeks versus a regular week in the PGA Tour?
1: it's insane just all that I mean from some of the stuff you have to do but just the the coverage really you know it's just non-stop uh, but it's it's what you play for you know the best in the world are going to be at these events and you know each one I feel like except I've only, I've never played in the Masters has its own little you know thing like you go to the US Open you just know you're gonna get your your head beat in and then you go go to the PGA it's pretty fun you know it's like when it was especially when it was in August you know the weather is gonna be hot and now being in May, it's a little different, but, uh, yeah, you know, and then I got to in one British at Royal Troon and that probably was harder than any, any U.S. Open I played in surprisingly, but it was, uh, it's just so much fun. You know, that's what you growing up. You're like, Hey, I want to play in those events and getting into those was
0: pretty, pretty awesome. You want to wake up feeling good every day? I mean, who doesn't? This product, I can personally attest, has had a huge shift in my day-to-day wellness. It's 2020 Immunity Booster, 2.5-ounce shot, handcrafted by sports dietitians, filled with essential vitamins and nutrients with none of the artificial colors or BS you see in sports drinks. I have it before I go to the range or start my round, or even just to kick off my day. Get 20% off your first order. Ripping it 20, the promo code. Go to drink2020.com. Part of Masters Week that I really enjoy, not only the build-up to see you. There's always some uh, quirky leaderboard or a couple of names that surprise you round one that go low. But I, the Part 3 contest, seeing Jack and Gary Player and all these legends still get out there for that event, I think is such a nice nod to past champions and celebrating the history of the Masters while also still having guys ramp up for what's arguably the biggest tournament of the year for most guys on the PGA, not just the PGA tour, but uh, any professional golf tour.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's televised too, so it's like you get to see a lot of stuff. Seeing the hole in ones are pretty special. Um, obviously, the one that comes to mind is uh, Jack's grandson holding out while he he's playing me. with him. That's like I mean, that's a memory that's he'll have stuff. the rest of his life. You know, yeah. I still remember the two hole in ones I have, and but just doing it in that element would be it'd be nuts, you know, and I'm sure spectators look forward to seeing that. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool to watch. Like obviously the highlights, I've never watched one like all the way through, but it's, uh, it's a unique thing. Um, I think, I guess it does a great job of, you know, honoring the people that have come before everyone else in golf in general, obviously with the opening ceremony shot. So it's just, it's really cool to, uh, to see how they do it, I bet you it's run unbelievable.
0: What uh, What would you serve if you ever won the Masters and had a champions dinner? Any idea what you? Um,
1: be? I have no idea. I think it'd be some type of steak and potatoes. Like that's what I always eat. I like it. And whatever
0: steak and potatoes, guys. So we have Scott Van Pelt coming up. Uh, amazing personality in the sports world. Uh, I love watching him on ESPN. Thinks he does I think he does a phenomenal job with his golf coverage ex-golf channel guy way back in the day that's where he worked prior to getting his job at espn what's your personal relationship with svp been like
1: um i've gotten to know him since my rookie year we did a symposium in maryland that was um really cool just understanding why they're you know tiger didn't change the the faces in the golf world and we just talk about it all the time like you know tiger made it so you can't compare yourself to Tiger you know like everyone's like oh I want to be like Tiger it's like I want to be like MJ you know it's not happening so we had a great discussion with I think there's probably a hundred other people that were involved with uh golf and just the black community of golf and it was just very interesting to just understand what people think it takes compared to you know I guess what I know just from my journey
0: Scott Van Pelt will be joining us in a sec. Prior to that, any predictions for which type of player you think could have a run or guys that have been playing well recently? I I know like Jordan Spee's getting a a ton of hype for what he was able to do. Florida swing, how he looked uh, in Austin, a a match play that he's showing flashes. Any other guys that you saw during the Florida swing where where you think, okay, they're they're rounding into form, they could be dangerous Masters week? Uh,
1: I don't know if Charlie Hoffman's in – the Masters but that guy always finds a way to play well there and he's been playing well of late so that's the one that comes to my mind obviously Jordan does because he just he just keeps playing well week in and week out and you know that's just what it takes you just get the hot hand and you know people that love that place
0: and can play it you know they usually play well there every year so scott van pelt our next guest and harold this is a solo mission for you a uh, scheduling conflict this week with a uh, golf channel responsibility so harold take the reins you and scott van pelt tee up masters week yeah let's do this i hear it all the time george you're living in miami these days you gotta have some late nights and you wake up you're not feeling too hot not true and i'll tell you why tempo total game changer tempo supplements guarantee you're never gonna miss a beat Thanks to a formulation of natural ingredients and essential nutrients. Two versions of Tempo, hungover AF, which I've taken, natural hangover supplement, and coffee, a supplement for clarity and focus. Check out both at Tritempo.co. That's Tritempo.co. Find your rhythm with Tempo. Use promo code TEMPO for 15% off your order.
1: Hey, guys. We're here with an awesome guest this week. Obviously a great friend. Um, Been able to spend some time with them. Um, Scott Van Pelt, um, thanks for coming on the show.
2: You got it, Harry. How you been? You good?
1: I'm good. Let's do it. Let's get right into it. We know you're a big um, Maryland fan. Uh, we love your tweets about Maryland. You've taken me up there a few times. Do you miss Maryland being in the ACC?
2: I do, um, but here's the thing. I miss what I grew up with, which being old means... like. Like a small version of it, right? Like the, it was Tobacco Road. It was Carolina, Wake State, Duke, and then like I mean, like when Florida State came in, I'm talking a long time ago, but when they came in, everybody's like, I don't know about all this. So like they started adding people. Like with all due respect, but like you start adding Syracuse and Pitt, and it's like that's not the ACC. You know what I'm saying? So like I miss what I remember, but what I remember is long gone, and so. You know, I, I don't know that I'll ever get used to the fact that Maryland's a Big Ten team. And frankly, the Big Ten, I don't think there's plenty of those folks that didn't want us. So it's sort of this weird, you know what we're like? We're like if if your parents get like remarried and like, you like, man, I didn't ask to come to your Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? And everybody's looking at each other kind of like, you're not in our family. And like, well, we didn't ask to do this. You asked us. So, I mean, I think we're getting there. I, I think we're getting there. Um. You just need, you know, you need, you need rivalries. Like you need teams that, uh, that you genuinely want to kick their ass and they feel the same about you. And I mean, over time, I think those things establish themselves.
1: I got to ask since I'm not that old yet, when did Florida state come into the ACC? Because I have no forever known, obviously being from North Carolina and watching the ACC that Florida state's been in there.
2: Of course, I want to say that it was sometime in the '80s. When did they join? I'm looking it up right now. Florida State joins the ACC, 1990, I guess it was. So right, yeah. So I mean, it's hell. It's been 30 years. So, but I mean, again, I'm I'm older than that, so I can go back to a time when, you know, it, it they weren't in the league, and it was it just and that felt weird at first. But everybody's excited because it's like, oh man, they're good at football. You know, what's weird is like so much of what has happened has happened based on football. And the ACC for years has mostly kind of been seen as a basketball school just because there were more basketball schools that were good. Then Clemson came and became this giant, right? Like this superpower in in, in football. And and Miami and Florida State have fallen off. So it's been wild how those teams that people thought would be carrying the water for football both kind of got pushed aside by Clemson.
1: Yeah, Clemson's unbelievable. I was fortunate enough to go to that national championship game against LSU, obviously, they played an unbelievable team. So, it's a a great, you know, ACC's in a good spot, I think. Obviously, East Carolina wasn't in that conference, but it was good. It was nice to watch. So, obviously, the NCAAs and you know, the last couple years, it's been very – I mean, everyone has their opinion. What do you think about athletes getting paid?
2: I think they should, absolutely. It gets – like, first of all, when – don't tell me that they don't get something, cause they do. Like ask any parent that's that's footing the bill for their kids' education or so many kids out there that are covering their own and have student loans, like when they get to the end of life. Just don't we can't say that they don't get anything, because they do. But we also know the amount of money that's getting stacked by, you know, the two the two big revenue sports are football and basketball. And so, you know, a big-time star should be allowed to make money. And it's not just men. Like, I read a story just this week about a girl named Paige Beckers, who's a freshman at um, uh, UConn, and she's got, like, 750,000 followers on Instagram or whatever, and, she, and Drake, like, the story about how Drake followed her, and she freaked out, like, she I called her that. mom, She she's like, yeah, it was a great story. So, like, I think if you should, if you could profit from your name and your likeness, Why should the NCAA be able to do so um, and you not? It it gets tricky. um, Just figuring out how to pay, like like as far as I I think I think name likeness and image is the best way for people to be able to profit. Because if you say you want say football players to get paid, all right, well let's stay with the Clemson angle. All right, so Trevor Lawrence, like, should he get more than the guy that's a third string linebacker, like, or is everyone going to get the same little amount of money? Like, cause that's not equitable either, but the name likeness and image is going to let Trevor Lawrence, you know, say, hi, you should buy a car from this guy and get his money. They're not giving that to that third string linebacker. And frankly, that's just what the market will bear. So that's, that's reasonable. Um, Look, this is going to happen because there'll be a mutiny in in sports. Otherwise, (laughs) if there's not like there's the athlete now is so much more aware of his and her power. Like, right? Like they they realize there's nothing, you, you got nothing without me. So good for them. Good for them. You're getting your education again. Don't tell me that's not nothing. It is something, but it's not enough. So you should be able to profit from that.
1: With saying that though, because obviously I think they should get paid. How do you Uh govern like who, you know, like you were just (laughs) saying, like, who's going to be like, well, you know, I think that's too much or like Trevor's, you know, what if Trevor's making a million dollars, his is his performance going to stay up? You know, and that's yeah. where I struggle a lot. Well
2: Listen, you and I both understand that there's some dudes getting money now, right? <laughs> Supposedly. Okay. Right? <laughs> okay. So let's just be, let's talk like grownups here. We understand. Let's not act like it's not happening. So governing... The money gone. that goes in and out, it's never going it, to, it's ungovernable. It's too big, especially, you know, and not exclusive to the South, but like you think about like SEC football, it's already an arms race. So like, how do you, how do you make sure that a school that's got a zillion boosters who are all wanting to get closer to the, the program and, and, and buy that access, like how, how there's no real way to govern it. That's the tricky part. Um, So that's the part I don't know how you govern, Um, and it'll make it a challenge for sure.
1: I know. I just that's every time I say they should get paid, I'm like, well, I have no plan because you know, being an athlete, you're like, you're like, man, it'd been nice to have a few dollars here and there, and obviously they take care of you, but like, you want to do the finer things, like I want to take a girl out to eat. I want to, you know, I want to do those things, and I think that uh, every athlete at a or you know university should be able to do that.
2: Agreed. You, you shouldn't be prohibited from it for sure, and like the the, the the they're not they're the only athletes on campus that are prohibited from doing those things. Um, but the, the, the and I, I'm right with you, Harold, in that when it's come to, I think they should. Okay, cool. What's the plan? Um, right? Like that's I don't. That's the hard part. How to? And, and, and I'll promise you this, because I no good deed goes unpunished. Whatever they come up with. People are still going to bitch about it and say it's not enough. Oh, that's not enough. Well, it probably won't be. Like the first pass at it, probably won't be where it ends up going. But I mean, I think it's really clear now that that things are are going to change on that front because they're they're going to have to.
1: Yeah, and then you you put in the Title IX, and you know, obviously, exactly, you you everyone deserves. Everyone says that, you know people deserve equal pay and stuff. And how does the university keep the program going? You know, Title IX made it where you could. They could do that. They could. They had a way to. Hey, this works. And if you start paying them like that, you know you're gonna have yeah. that same problem. And then Um uh, But on a better note, in the you know things that we don't have to worry about. Um, what is the best atmosphere in college that you've been a part of? Obviously, you've been a part of some pretty cool things. We've seen yeah. it. Um, what do you think? I've asked Chris Berman this, and you know, it was a great. He had a great answer.
2: Coolest, the coolest environment I've ever seen uh, was uh, LSU Tiger Stadium at night. Um, Wisconsin's incredible. Uh, I, I've seen, I, I was at a night game in Wisconsin when they beat Ohio State. Camp Randall is insane, and uh, Madison, Wisconsin's awesome. Wow! And like it, it's that that place is spectacular. Um, that was a curveball, like, by the way. Oh Wisconsin! Oh no, it's <laughs> yeah. nuts, man. Don't don't sleep on Madison, Wisconsin. You, well, let me wake you up. Uh, yeah, that, that I, I'm not going to tell Steve. Str-
1: Str- yeah, Steve, trigger uh, Jerry Kelly that.
2: Ask him. Tell him. Ask. Tell him Van Pelt was 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 bragging on Madison. Um, but like, look, Tiger Stadium at night. I was there for a Bama game, and I mean, those people in Baton Rouge, they just have a different gear, bro. Like. like <laughs> So like you can wake up and some people can wake up and tailgate for like a noon game. Like they'll wake up and tailgate for a night game. OK, and they might pass out, but they're going to rally repeatedly. <laughs> and then just the there's like this weird humidity, electricity, like buzz that like this, this never ending feeling of something in the air. And like I happen to see an incredible game where LSU played great, played great, played great. But then at the very end, Bama won, and uh, I just left there just thinking there might be something as good, but there's nothing that I've ever seen that's better than Baton Rouge at night, and I saw it on a great night. You know, there's a lot of places out there I'm sure that on the right night it's could good, feel yeah. like the could feel like the right answer. I'm just telling you from what I've seen um, on a football side, I, I feel that's the best environment. On a basketball side, like look it's no secret I'm from Maryland. On the right night, like Maryland's building is, is no joke. We love um, seeing you in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll get after it, man. I I get after it. Like it's embarrassing. I've been caught like it's it's it works out like when you you know, if your team wins you wanna send out something on Twitter like there's like a gif of you jumping up and down like a moron. Um but like the be- if I had divorced myself from Maryland to say the best environment in college basketball I've seen, um uh, I think Fog Island Fieldhouse in Kansas um, ask your boy Woody about that. Like that's, that's, and like Duke's awesome for sure, but it's small. Like, that's what I'm it, like, saying.
1: Uh, How does it get so only, big?
2: It, it, well, it's, it's, it, you feel like this in Duke, like it's kind of claustrophobic where in Kansas, they've got probably 7,000 more people in their building. Um, the atmosphere in, in Fog Island is amazing, but just like, I, I like all sports, as you know, just like you, Yeah. but I, I like to me, the atmosphere in college is it, just, it feels different because it is different. You
1: know, um, you tell me this. So my coach went to NC State, and he always Uh talks about the rivalry of NC State and Carolina before there was Duke. Was it that good? Like he's like TV made Duke Carolina like so much more, and I'm like, no. In my head, I'm like, hey man, you know, what? Well,
2: like if your coach is old enough, then then your coach remembers State being uh, just sort of different. Like State, look, the thing about Carolina is is that they, they were everybody's rival, right? Just like Bama. Like in football, Bama's, they're LSU's biggest game. They're Auburn's biggest game. They're Every everybody's time they play. biggest. Yeah. Well, they're everybody's biggest game because they're they're the the best. They're the gold standard. Well, Carolina has been, was that for many, many years. But like State, going back to, you know, they won one in the 70s, then they won the one in the 80s. And so, and I also think that there's that, and this, this is what typically makes rivalries great, is if one school feels like the other school doesn't respect them, and the other, one school feels like the other school isn't as good a school as them, and like Carolina.' <laughs> yeah, to Of course it does, because <laughs> they're going to look down their nose at state and be like, "Ah, you're not, you're not us." And so yeah, State Carolina was absolutely like that was a big time thing, but then Duke kind of supplanted everybody, and then Duke Carolina, like here's the thing about a rivalry. I've said this a million times. In order to have a true rivalry, you got to be—you have to take something from me that matters to me. You yes. got to beat me when it matters, not like some game that doesn't matter a lot and you win and you get to have a parade. No, you got to beat me to go to something and knock me out. Like that's how rivalries get truly established. And so, State and Carolina had that for sure. Um, but you know, you can only—like a team can only look at really one other school and care as much about it as the, as the other team. You know what I'm saying? Like, State, Wake, like, everybody looked at Carolina and Duke that way. And I'm sure Carolina's like, you're just kind of another game for us. And, like, that's what used that's to make Maryland bad. Like, the, the Duke fans would always chant, not our rival at Maryland. And Maryland's like, is that right? You know, because there was a period there, like, around 2000. And Jay Williams said this. He goes, look, when I was at Duke, Carolina wasn't the rivalry. Maryland was. There was a brief window there. Where the the, the level yeah. of play, like Maryland, they were Maryland was able games to beat them. on
1: the last, yeah, on the last second shots. Great games.
2: No, they're crazy. And see, Maryland beat them in their place a few times, and you know that's when you're taking something that matters. It's like Shane Battier a senior night. Maryland went in there and beat him. It's like that that pisses them off. Like uh, you got to beat somebody in a game that's going to piss them off. That's how rivalries happen. So you know, through over the years, those things evolve in the in down on Tobacco Road for sure.
1: That's awesome. Um. Obviously everyone knows you've been around, been in the golf world, obviously done I got, you know, a pretty big tournament down in Augusta, you know. Yeah, I'm still waiting to time. go. I'm working on it. Um what's your best golf moment? I guess obviously if people don't know you were with Golf Channel for a bit, I don't really know how long, but when I was growing up, you you were doing Golf Central, and I was like, right. man, I've, you know, so um what would – I mean, obviously, there's been some great moments. I'm sure you've seen some. I would love to hear what your best – this is a golf podcast. I play a little bit of golf here and there. A what bit. was your best golf moment that you got to experience?
2: Um, I, I'd say – I'd frame it this way. Um, I was there in 97 when Tiger won the first one, okay? And, Harold, it was just – I mean – and people that don't know, you were kind enough to come help me out. We had a thing at Maryland. It, uh, it was a, a symposium about the Tiger Woods effect, and it was 20 years after 97. And how have things changed? Um, there were people, people thought that it would change to kind of the way the game looked. We thought we would see more participation. We thought we'd see more young black players out there. And what we found was, and it was actually so cool that day at Maryland, what happened yes the, uh, the the golf sco- the golf team and the uh, from Maryland Eastern Shore uh, in a historically black college came up they have a golf program at Maryland Eastern Shore and here was here were a a bunch of men and women in the sport some were going to some to get involved in being club pros maybe get involved in like golf course agronomy things like that that they tiger woods did he impact them yeah absolutely he, tiger woods sort of opened people's eyes that golf was an avenue and something they might want to pursue Um, but I was there in 97 when that happened and recognized that it wasn't just a remarkable golf performance, but it was a significant historical societal performance too. All right, well, fast forward to 2019. And now here's Tiger on the other side of 40, bald spot, fused back, been through some stuff away from the game. And now in the same spot where he hugged his pop, now he hugs his son and his daughter. And my man, I'm... Let me tell you, I've known him a long time. You know, he and I are friendly the way you and I are friendly, right? You get to know people as people. yeah. Um, and you put, you, like, the thing that's so great about golf is I got so many people I pull for every week. Like, you play great. You know I'm going to send you a, big, a, t- a text yeah. with those big-ass eyeballs. Like, I see you. Like, you know, because you know I'm watching. Like, I pull for people. That's the best thing. I don't have to root for anybody. It's not two teams. It's just I got, you know, there's 50 guys out there that I'm, like, or and they're caddies. You're pulling for them. Well, Okay, I, I've known Tiger a long time. So that moment for me, like I talked earlier about LSU and, and night state and night game at Tiger Stadium. Like that sound of however many thousand people chanting, Tiger, Tiger. And it just kept going. Like I just got goosebumps right now. Like I could, I'm getting them it, right now. It was nuts, man. Because Augusta, like it's not like they don't clap. No, they cheer. There are roars at Augusta for real. But I've never heard that. And so... Seeing him hugging his child, like when he got to his kids, oh my God. Like as a dad, there's just cry? that, I can't, I, I'm a sucker. Okay. I did. Because I know, because, you know why? Because I know, I know this. All he wanted was to have his kids see him be that guy that they heard about just once. And they got to see it. And when he screams and, like, see, see, like, oh, and, like, dude. he screams his high-pitched scream when he gets to Charlie and he just opens his arms, oh, my God. Like, that's, that's not a go- sports moment. That's a life moment. Correct. And And the, the, the sound of it, uh, I'll never forget the sound of it. So, like, I've seen the best courses in the world, and I've seen the best players in the world, and I'm grateful, right, for all of those things. Um, they're all part of my life and have made my life what it is. Uh, so, you, like, there's a long list of, like, really cool golf things, you know? Yeah, correct. Like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Like, Phil winning at Muirfield in the Open Championship. Like, that guy was never going to win an Open. Like, his, <laughs> he doesn't know how to play Lynx golf. I'd have bet you a pile of money he would never win an Open <laughs> Championship. That He hits it too high. He just doesn't have the patience for it. And, like, I watched that guy put on a show that day. Inc- put on a clinic. An- incredible how well he played at Muirfield that day. But, like, that's just kind of a golfy thing. Like the Tiger deal book ended '97, you know the boy was now the man. You know the son was now the father. Uh, he'd been through all the stuff, and uh, that's five, like for sure, easy, easy number one for me.
1: Dang, I mean, I'm getting, you know, I want there's obviously a lot of stuff from my best friend that passed away that year, and just trying to, uh, you know, always process it. But I got to watch it with my dad. It was the coolest thing while they were right. watching. I got a golf cart delivered and they ran into the power lines and he's winning the masters. It's just, you know, some of it you can't make up. Obviously we're thinking about tiger, you know, no doubt. crazy time right now. Um, but do you, so obviously I know tigers helped my career, obviously, you know, my golf career, but he's helped the, you know, the purses on the PJ tour. How has yeah. tiger helped your career?
2: Um, are you kidding?
1: I, I mean, mean like, uh, from, the, from the No, no, I'm getting ready to tell you.
2: Like, you know, because you know him. Like, the list of things that he likes the most, very high on the list is busting people's chops, right? Giving They're you the needle. Yeah, he, Well, he loves it. But you know what? You know what? He loves when you give it back to him. Because, like, the people that are kind of, like, scared to do it, like, they'll never make it with him. They'll never but you gotta, crumble. You, like, if he steps to you, you need to take two steps to him. Like, yeah, now what? What? Like, like he and I bust each other's chops for 20-some-odd years. But um, he always likes to tell me he's like, without me, there's no you. Like, you're, I'm single-handedly responsible for your career.
1: That's his best needle, though, every time.
2: It is. Hold <laughs> on a second. Let me show you something. All right. So, I'm in my office here, and when uh, – this is the book he did about the ninety-seven masters. All right, here, okay, let me get it right. Okay, so that's the book, and on the inside, he scribbled something that's between me and him, and it's just, it's just, a, it's a, it's, it's, a sincere sort of thing about about knowing each other for a long time. Um, he, when he did the mass, when he did the audio for that book, um, he asked if I'd read it. Like you know, you do these audio books. I did the audio book for, for that for that. And basically, it was like, hey, you're the guy, like you were there then, and, and you're here now. And I, I laughed. I said, you know what? But then I got serious because I said, you know what's really cool about this is it, it allows me to, to, to say to you sincerely that I'm grateful for the fact that you gave me the kind of access you did through the years and were as generous with your time with me because it, it, it launched my career. Harold, when we sat down in '98, after he won in '97, and he gave me, you know, this incredible like 45 minute interview. It turned into a show on the Golf Channel. I think they still show it, which is disrespectful because I had hair. Like, how are you gonna do that to your boy? <laughs> We're gonna get um, to that in a bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, they 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 still run that back. Um, but like that put me on the radar in the business because like. He was great. It wasn't that I was great, but he was great, and I was the guy sitting there. And so now, like, I'm on the radar for ESPN. And then he, in 2000, has, like, the greatest year anyone's ever had. And Jimmy Roberts, who still does a great job covering golf, he left ESPN to go to NBC. So NBC, excuse me, ESPN's kind of like, well, we need somebody to cover Tiger. Well, who's who's better equipped to be that guy than me? Well, I'm like, I'll do it. And the next thing you know, I go to ESPN, and now here you and I are talking twenty some odd years later, and so it all like no 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 joke like the whole thing every bit of this happens because I met him when he was a freshman at Stanford playing the Scarlet Course in Columbus, Ohio, in the NCAA championships, and I met him then, and we kind of, I mean you know how it is you meet people and you see him over and over, and it's like you kind of didn't have a choice he was going to see me one way or another, but we just you know, we found some common ground and we got, we got along and, um, and now all these years later, uh, you know, I owe, I literally, not, not a, this isn't like oh, I'd have made automated, I I might've, I don't know. I might've made some kind of thing in this business, but without him, how, how did, how did he impact my career? He made my career. He made That's my career. Awesome. Period. Is,
1: I mean, he's done it's, it for a lot of people. So like, you know, when. I don't think people really understand when you sit there and you see you know you see the car wreck you know it's bigger than just the best player to ever play getting a car wreck it's like it's a friend it's a guy that's changed my life you know like obviously he's been somewhat of a mentor to me always ask questions you know obviously I don't have any trouble asking any questions except you right now
2: but <laughs> well, you know it's cool I'll tell you this that this is something you should know that that I I think that you you benefit from being like the, the, the difference in ages is is since you weren't the guy that was his peer at the same time like I know his relationship with JT is is is, is they gotten really really close because there's enough of a gap where Tiger's willing to share more of the secrets right like if you'd have if, if you were 43 he'd have froze no. you out bro he wouldn't Not have given you any it. of it no because like and I mean there's some great stories that some of which kind of, I, I gotta, I mean, just let's just say contemporaries of his that like he would, you know, were interested in maybe trying to play a practice round or whatever. And he basically said to me, like, well, he's like what is he? Is he effing crazy? Like, I'm not yeah. showing you the secrets. Like, why am I giving away my secrets to you? Wouldn't do it. He would, he definitely kept like the, that, his contemporaries at, at arm's length, where I think he views guys like yourself, like uh, younger guys. Uh, that are the next wave, like, he's way more willing to be, like, Uncle Tiger, right, And and yeah. e or, B, or Big Bro Tiger than the guy that was, like, my twin brother. Like, there was a lot, there was none of that. He, that he went, no, no, but I get that. I understand why.
1: My caddy always says that, like, he's, always says, he's like, man, if you're his same age, there's no way he would talk to you.
2: <laughs> F you. Nope. He did, he um, would, and he would have tried to squash you like a bug, man. He got a kick out of that.
1: So obviously the Masters is coming up. I um, would like to know what what are you looking forward to? Obviously last year not having fans yeah. watching on TV was so weird in general. Um, Strange. But what are you what are you looking forward to? And what do you look forward to every time you go?
2: It's 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 just an amazing place. You know, um, it's it's a place of. It's hard to describe it if you haven't seen it, uh, but I mean, this is a, a golf pot. I, I would guess that a lot of people who who would spend their time, you know, listening to us talk, have probably been. Um, but if you haven't, you got to go. I just put it I've that never way. been. Well, I, I, it just I'll just well, you're going to earn your way there, and when you do, you and I are going to talk, and you're going to go. You weren't lying. Like it's impossible for me to describe to you unless you've seen it, because um, it whatever you think it is. Like there's like we talked about like Tiger Stadium or or Fog Allen or a, a great venue in sports. Like you might create it in your mind what it is. Then you go there and you're like, okay, this is cool. It's a stadium, or it's a gym, or it's a golf course. Augusta National is more than that. It's 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 a whole feeling of you can't believe everything is exactly the way it's, it is because it's perfect. And so I just look forward to going. Like I, I've gotten to know people there. I've been really lucky for. You know, all these years, like there's a gal that works security named Miss Nadine. That's my girl. Like she checks my outfit out every day. Like she, you know, I, I saw her during COVID. I, well, she, she every day. She checks me out and makes sure I look good. And like, no, I'm not kidding. Like we prayed on Easter morning together before I went in. Like we spent a little fellowship, man. Like you get to know people as friends. Tony that runs. I've seen Tony change the color of his jacket as he's, you know, gr- climbed the ladder of, of of his responsibilities with the club now, and like he's That's running awesome. stuff, and and these are people that look out for me. Like they treat me like not like I'm a, a member, I'm not, but they treat me like a friend. And so I have friends there that I see, and I've gotten to know members that are they're they're very very gracious and and very welcoming during that um, during that week. They want us to to be looked after. Um, but there's this one place, Harold. On the I tweet it out every year, a picture. Uh, it's the eighth T on the Par three course. And I go there every single day um, when I when I'm walking a Butler cabin and it's a, it's this this quiet place. It's beautiful. And it's like I just stop and it's I've tried to describe what it is. Like am I praying? I kind of do. I just say thank you, Lord, that I'm standing right here. I'm grateful, Lord, that I'm alive. I'm grateful I'm standing in this spot. I'm grateful that this is what I get to do. And I'm grateful I get to go sit in the Butler cabin today and that that's my office. For the next you know however many i'm grateful and i'm just i want to say that out loud because i just want the universe the lord whatever to know i am appreciative of that like i'm a big believer well i'm just to me i just feel like you know like i don't get off on this tangent much but like if you're not appreciative of life and its blessings and you don't speak that into into existence if you don't speak that you know out loud I think that's a mistake. It's a mistake for me, so that's why I do it, and and then I just walk to work and I shake my head the whole way. I'm like, "How did my dumbass get here?" Like, I really don't know. I swear to you, I don't know. But there I am, and um, that's my. I look forward to that every every day, and then just the event is it never disappoints. Like, like sometimes there's a Super Bowl, like this year's Super Bowl. Frankly, like when it was over, you're like, Man. I, I don't know. Ch- Chiefs kind of didn't. Play that well? It was weird. Good for Tampa, but like, was it a great? No, it was no. just kind of a game. Name the last Masters, and when it was over, you're like, yeah, what? Well, it's kind of a golf tournament. No, it's never. always never. It's, even it's, if someone exactly, wins. yeah, and even if, and, and this isn't meant to be disrespectful to Danny Willett. Like, like that wasn't the name people would have pulled out of the hat to win, but he won because he went nuts and had like the best five hole stretch of his life at the most important time. And that makes you a legend forever. Charles Rantzel did the same thing. And and that's just incredible to me about Augusta. Because through the years, and you could go back to, like, Tom Weiskopf, uh, Greg Norman for sure, Ernie Els for sure, David Duvall for sure. Those guys, Davis Love, they all thought, oh, I'm going to win this thing. Because they were right there. They're going to win it. Gosh. Then they didn't. They didn't. None yeah. of them. <laughs> the greatest line Maybe, like people think about, yes sir, with Vern Lundquist, and that's a great line, and, and there's been some great ones. Jim Nance, the year that Nicholas won in 86, <clears throat> is with Weiskopf, and and Nance says to Weiskopf, Tom, what's going through his mind right now? And Weiskopf pauses a beat and says, Jim, if I had any idea what was going on in his mind right now, I'd have won this tournament <laughs> A time or two, right? Like, how do I know what Jack Nicholas is thinking? I don't. That's why he's got five, about to be six, and I have zero. So I guess what I'm saying here, and I'm rambling, but I love this tournament, is just that, like, more than any other, I feel like when that tournament presents a moment to you, like Mark O'Mara had one little window of time. It was his time. Boom. Barry's a putty. You're a Masters champ. Like, Scott Hoke missed a putt this long. And he, and, he, and he didn't win the Masters. Like Harold, I'm telling you, where's my other finger? Like it's th- it's this. Where's my other finger? I can't even figure it <laughs> out. Like it's, that's that's how longer. much. It, it wasn't much more. I mean, he's supposed to win the Masters and he didn't. And and um, you know, it's it's cruel to me that that, that in, in a way, like when when a moment like Justin Rose has got like ten top tens there, and he got in the yeah. playoff with Sergio, and Sergio what a great deserved,
1: playoff. Oh it was awesome
2: but and Sergio deserved it. He he deserved it. And then the, the just the last one cuz I think this is the most underrated masters never gets brought up. When Adam Scott won, he stuffs it on 18 and makes birdie. And he's going to win finally. And then Cabrera fires an approach and hits the stick and Cabrera like like that guy I no, mean no. I don't know <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how to it. say it. I don't know how to say it other than this. Like, and I don't know how how R-rated we can get. Um, I don't want for
1: it. We can edit it.
2: <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, there's only one. Like, the balls on that guy, okay? Like, the the, the to to take the shot on, uh, like, I gotta hit the I gotta hit this close. Well, how about I hit the stick? He he birdies 18 too, and then they go to a playoff, and Scott rolls in that bomb in the rain, and there's that Epic incredible. Picture. Oh, that, there's a great picture from behind, like, and I don't mean to be sacrilegious, but it's like kind of golf Jesus. Like he's standing behind, and there's Scott with his hands outstretched, and it's just incredible. But what was it? It was a moment, and when that moment presented itself, he grabbed a hold of it with both hands. And at Augusta, you better grab it and hang on for dear life, because if you do, if you do, then for the rest of your life. You get to come there and on a Tuesday night eat whatever the champion's serving up, man. Like, yeah, so that's I'm a, cool.
1: whatever he's serving. Yeah,
2: yeah, man. I'm a, I, <laughs> gr- give me a grilled cheese. I'm good to go. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not picky. Uh,
1: no kidding. What's your favorite hole at Augusta?
2: Oh man. Well, uh, let's say
1: I, I'm obviously you've played it. Uh huh. Your favorite, your favorite hole when you're playing, but your favorite hole. Uh, for
2: me, who cares? Like, I, I, but honestly, it, it might be the, like the way I play it ain't like they play it. I, I just think it's impossible to top 13 because the, you know, just the aesthetic of it um, with, with, the, with the creek, the azaleas, the trees, you know, the, the, the drive kind of, like, it's wild how many people miss right. Like, it's, it's, just, it's begging you to just hit a beautiful little draw in there. The hill's going to help you out. And then it's and then it's it it should be a green light for for a, an approach that's gonna give you a chance at an eagle. But then the green, you know, it's is, all the it, it is and but you you catch it a groove high or a little bit fat. And now all of a sudden now you could make a number on that hole like a big number. So I just I think that hole is the perfect um, the perfect representation of Augusta, both the beauty the aesthetic of it, uh, the fact that the minute you see it. You know exactly what it is, what hole, what course, and the fact that you can make a three on it, but you could screw around and make a seven. That that to me is that's Augusta in a nutshell. So I mean, like if you, there's a million holes you could tell, well, there's only eighteen, but there's a, any number of holes you could tell me that are, you like a lot. Thirteen is the one I'd take.
1: That's awesome. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of tournaments won and obviously lost on that hole, um, yep. but that's that's the stuff I love about golf: is the risk reward and. You know, obviously a lot of people don't like that, but whatever.
2: <laughs> well, um, I mean, that's, what, that's what makes it great.
1: Fun questions. Well, question so we can wrap up. I know you're busy. Uh, obviously, sorry, when we first met, I had hair. What is it like <laughs> being bald? And what if someone's headed in that direction of being bald, what, what do they have to look forward to? What do they need to do? Because I'm well on my way. It's why I wear a hat.
2: <laughs> there, there ain't nothing to look forward to. Look, like look at that dent in my head I have a lumpy head and when I was when I was younger my grandfather okay my grandfather was an Italian guy from Brooklyn who was not tall like me he had this gigantic nose he was deaf and he was bald and we used to just heckle him forever about like he was my guy like I mean I you get j- j- joke with him lovingly but I'm like I made fun of the stuff that was his, his issues well, now, I am as bald as I can be uh, because I've had headphones on for 20 something years. I can't hear a damn thing. So now here I am. Like, he was kind of short, uh, Italian, kind of hairy back, whatever else. Like, now. <laughs> Great I, description I'm just, there. Yeah. Uh, I, it, 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 my guy was, the, he, you know, he had some <laughs> stuff going on. Now, here I am. I'm like, don't, I'm, I'm not a hairy person, but I'm bald and deaf. Like, the two things I got from my grandpa are that. But here's what I'd say. Um, the, the, you have to get there on your own time. Like you got to come to grips with what it is, and you gotta just embrace. What, or like, look, there's there's options out there. Like there's there are pills options. and and uh, creams, and there's you can you want to restore it. I got no issue with anybody who wants to do whatever he how, however he wants to do it. If you want to hang on and fight for dear life, go ahead. But like. I, I how about this Harold I had Tiger on the show and I finally just called him out I'm like bro what are you doing with your hair When are you coming home you got to come home I said I am your GPS look at me I am where you're going your final he,
1: destination yeah
2: that's it like this is I don't you could delay it you could try to take a couple of u turns and you could try to drive around the block a few times but this is home bro and he laughed and he's like nah, he's fighting for dear life but here's the here's the challenge for you Uh, And Tiger joked about this with me that he's like I can't shave my head. He said because my head because what do you guys do you wear a hat and you're in the sun all day. So he said if I shave my head my head's going to look like a milk a, a, a cocoa puff that's been in the milk like like the top of it's going to be one color and the other is going to be this this kind of light color and it's going to look whole, like Stuart sinks head when Stuart takes his hat off, the head off? off. Oh man. Yeah, like what is what's the story with your head man? So I the pro, the I I I've worked on this. I keep saying problem, like it's not a problem, it's a challenge. You can overcome a challenge, right? So the challenge for you is this. You got to play some rounds with your boys or just spend some time with a hat off so <laughs> that you can get an even distribution of suntan lines so that when you take your hat off it doesn't look like a disaster i just say this everybody that loses their hair goes through the same thing you put a clipper on and you go like number 2 and then you'll go number 1 yes. and then you and then you go no guard and then there's that one day when you just decide all right i got to take in. it i got to take it down and here's how it happened for me i'm at the this is a true story I was at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Now, anyone that's ever gone over to the UK knows, if you have like a plug-in device, something about their electricity and our things don't work. Just They don't. And so I put my clipper in, and I knew it was real iffy. And you turn it on, and it makes this god-awful like... Ah! Oh, and like, yes. It, the clipper was blown up. So now, like, I'm clipping my cl- – I'm turning it on, and I'm like, oh, God. And it won't come on. And you know how it goes, right? Like, <laughs> when you get to that, you haven't shaved in a couple days, and it starts to look like the second cut, maybe like, maybe like the rough uh, – uh, the fringe around the green at a bad municipal course. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like, really furry, I got to get this off. <laughs> exactly. And so I had a choice to make that morning. I'm like – I can put the lather on here, and I can take it down with a razor, or I can go with like you know, I can go with the rough. I'm like, I got to take it down. And the first time you shave with an actual razor, and you feel your head, you're like, whoa, 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 like what <laughs> do we have here? And I and I loved it, and I haven't gone back. So it's that's the progression. You're going to go with a number four, number three, number two, number one, no guard, and then one day, you'll just take it down. But I, you're the one that's got to figure out. What you? Because you got sponsor considerations with your hat. I get it. I see that jump man. I understand it. But like you got be like maybe you just get a headband with with oh, with a the, the jump man on it, and you get some sun on top of your head because that's a my, challenge. I don't know if my
1: stomach hurts from laughing or like just being nervous about this part, like where I go like this. It's
2: it's coming, <laughs> bro. It. It's, it's coming. Like I I I held on for a while, and then you just. I mean. You just know you're not kidding anybody but yourself, you know? Like Correct. you just know this is it. And I mean, here's a good thing. You more than me, but you like you got like that leading man face anyway. Like you're a handsome guy, you'll be good. Like you could you could just be you, just smile like that and like you know you're good. You're fine. But you know, everybody's got to get there on their own time. You know, you, I, I, I finally heckled Tiger because I just, it was, I felt like I couldn't not do it. Like I had to take my shot. It was a it.
1: can't miss moment. It's your Kinda. master's moment.
2: <laughs> I, <laughs> I grabbed it. I grabbed it with both hands and I made fun of Tiger Woods' hair. Uh, but I mean, all, to all the guys out there in the struggle, you can make it. It'll be okay. I'm your, I'm your guide. I have a lumpy head and freckly. It's a, com- a disaster. But when I put that, but when I sit down at midnight and put the mic on, I look at the camera and I'm like, "What's up?" I feel I, I kid myself. I'm like I'm You're like Brad Pitt. The Stage, yeah. You can't tell me anything. <laughs> What's up? This um, is my set right here.
1: <laughs> that that's awesome. SVP, thank you for your time. Uh, this is ripping it by Bro Bible, and we're out of here. Um, I love you. I thank you, and I will see you soon.
0: Hopefully, I hope so, soon. bro.
2: Keep playing good. I can't wait for you to get that big breakthrough. I'll see you at the Oak Tree in Augusta next year. You hear?
1: sounds good all in time
0: well you can see why SVP is one of the best in the business and I mean you've known Scott for a number of years now did you learn anything from that interview or did anything surprise you from that sit down with Scott I
1: thought it was really you know he's just so well educated on so many topics in the sports world Um, I thought it was really funny his story about how he started going bald um, and made sure he went bald uh, so I thought that was really cool, and then you know you always hear about how Tiger is, you know, impacted golfers' lives, and you know how it's changed my life, changed the purses, and you know he's been a great friend to me. But just hearing how it changed his life is one of the coolest stories, um, just to show the
0: impact of you know what Tiger really has done for the game. I mean the the timing for when Scott started at Golf Channel ninety seven Tiger wins the Masters, they were. Uh, like friendly, while Tiger was living in Orlando back then, he used to come in kind of the, the tape room pre-Scott's ESPN days. Obviously, he's followed his whole rise. Uh, it, it, the timing alone, and then the career arc—it's just crazy to think that Scott's been there uh, firsthand seat for basically his entire run on the PGA Tour.
1: Yeah, that I mean, you just you just can't put it in words. But to hear it from him was just. Really cool. He obviously had some great stories. Um, obviously, I'm. A, I love watching college sports in general, and just hearing him comment about them getting paid. You know, just there's so many people that think that we should they should be paid, but like, how are you going to go about that? And maybe one day we'll have a guest that can give me a better example of how you're going to obviously regulate that. And he obviously talks later about it. So it's just. Uh, it's super cool to just hear a different side of the sports world.
0: Do you think college athletes should be paid?
1: Yes, without a doubt. Um, but like with, like I said earlier, with saying that, how do you, you know, how do you compensate with what's right, what's wrong, you know, and then you have Title IX, you know, we're going through this equal pay thing. You know, like, I, I don't know all that, but I just know the amount of money that they're making off these athletes. It's, you know, you – They should be, like I said earlier, they should be able to, for instance, take a girl to dinner. You know, it just shouldn't be the dining hall every night. I just don't think that's right while everyone else is, you know, smelling the roses.
0: You hear different strategies laid out for how athletes can be paid. I know there's been stipends for certain sports based on the revenue accrued. I think to be able to profit off your own likeness and follow the Olympic model is what should be implemented universally. College athletes and that kind of leads to the democratization of sport where if you're Harold Varner the starting shooting guard at Duke then you should be able to make X amount if a company corporation wants to pay you for sponsorship and you could easily hold it in a trust until you graduate or however you want to handle it but I think that right there is like the first switch that you could flip in which these athletes can start generating income based off their likeness.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. I think that there's a way of going about it where these kids can better their lives, whether they make it to the you know, the pro leagues or not. Um, I, obviously, looking at you know the retirement on the PGA Tour, I think it'd be something cool if they set up a retirement form, which I think is really awesome. It just keeps, you know, you get rewarded for the things you've done for a university, which makes the university look so much better, and I think that's how it should work.
0: Time now for a little overrated, underrated, and we are going with a Masters-themed Edition H. We're going to kick it off. Pressure of winning a major, which obviously you experienced final group pressure with Brooks Koepka, versus the pressure of winning on the PGA Tour, which you've had some close calls as well. Is it significantly harder, major week, or do they both uh, present uh, challenges that are equally difficult? It's considerably harder.
1: Um, you know, it's so hard not to get ahead of yourself. Um, I have yet to win, but the feeling I felt, obviously at Greenbrier, having a chance to win, that's just one that comes to my mind, and Riv compared to Beth Page is totally different. Um, it's the coolest feeling, it's like, I always tell people, you're like, not on drugs, but that's a drug that I would want to be addicted to. It was unbelievable. didn't do great with it. Obviously, the conditions were really hard. It was a tough day, but it was something you can't describe. I can't put it into words, but I just want that feeling again. Like it was just like, you know, as soon as I got done playing, I wanted some more of it, which didn't seem like it after shooting 81.
0: So I would say the pressure until you've experienced it is almost underrated until you're really in the lion's den. Yeah, because everyone can tell you what to do, what you think
1: yeah. you should do, um, but actually doing it. It's a different, you know, it's just totally different. Like, it gives me a little, it gives an insight of, like, how great Tiger was. I mean, it's still,
0: you know. It's insane. (laughs) What he he was able to do and how he was able to calm himself in crucial moments. With, I'm curious with Tiger, and you see other guys do this, and David Duvall, I remember we had dinner with him, what, four or five years ago, H, in Mexico. And I remember David telling me in pressure situations, he would remind himself how to walk and that he would walk slowly off of tee boxes on purpose to kind of slow down his pace, et cetera. Are there keys that you've had or that you've learned from the situations that you've been in to now figure out, okay, how am I going to change my game plan going forward to make sure I'm ready to meet the moment?
1: Um, The biggest thing for me is to keep breathing because uh, it seems so simple, but you're just like, you're always like on the go. Just keep breathing, deep breaths, just like, you know that's what you like i said earlier that's what you you want you're waiting for this opportunity so enjoy it it's, you know and i always think you know 20 years down the road are we going to remember who wins this PGA i'm not but i'm going to enjoy it while i'm here so it's uh it's not life or death but it feels like it when you're on the first tee <laughs> but it's all about perspective and i uh been super fortunate to be in those positions and i'm going to get back in those positions
0: all right, let's do uh, some rapid fire with these over overrated, underrated. Part three contest, overrated, underrated.
1: I would say underrated for the amount I've seen, and I think it's going to be way more underrated once I play in it.
0: I love it. So I would say underrated also. Uh, Masters Sunday, overrated, underrated. Underrated. Way underrated. Just
1: to know that you're going to play in that tournament for the rest of your life. Underrated is like, yeah, you know, I just don't think people understand. You know, you're going to play in that tournament till you're you can't walk.
0: Pimento cheese sandwiches, over and I would say underrated for Master Sunday as well. Pimento cheese sandwiches, overrated, underrated.
1: I would say overrated. I think they have some other good food there, but I've never uh, been there, so I don't
0: know. I'm not a huge fan, so I'd go overrated for sure on that, without any hesitation whatsoever. The prices
1: um, are underrated, from what I hear.
0: For sure. For sure. That's that's like the one spot you get a slight break <laughs> given how much a medallion or a badge costs for the week that at least concession, uh, they've, they've kept pricing from what 30 years ago or something wild like that. Um, spring golf season, overrated, underrated? Overrated. I mean, it's so hard.
1: The, I just remember playing high school matches and just being like, you just get that one cold day that's like 55 and it's blowing 20. And it's only a nine-hole match, and you're just, you've just said everything under your breath you can imagine to your coach. And, yeah,
0: overrated. Uh, As a Chicago guy, I would say underrated just because the excitement level to actually be able to play golf and courses wouldn't open till the first week of April. If you're going actual conditions, then, yeah, I would agree with you, uh, overrated. But just <laughs> to be able to actually play golf after dealing with winter for five months, uh, then I, I have to go underrated just because you're so – Thrilled that it's not covered with uh, a foot of snow, and that uh, the, all the hazards are thought out, and not just you know blocks of ice over lakes and ponds. Uh, but I mean, You've now living in Miami, so <laughs> living in Miami, spring golf is basically year-round, so I'm, I'm not really uh, too worried about seasonality uh, by any means. Uh, last yeah, one, don't, we'll throw in. Don't
1: think the oceans will be freezing over anytime soon. <laughs>
0: Uh, last one uh, with, with baseball season starting up, opening day, overrated, underrated?
1: Overrated. I think baseball is overrated until uh, the playoffs. I mean, 100, what Well, they play, 160-something games, 62 games?
0: 162.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, you can lose half the season. I don't know. That's just my comment. But uh, just playoff baseball is just so much better. it's not till October. The – you know, the worst part is, is once basketball's over, you know, it's all baseball. So, like, sports SportsCenter's top ten is, like, some guy running to catch it, and you're, like, some guy makes a hole-in-one on tour, and he's, like, number ten. And I'm, like, you know, what are, what are we doing here?
0: <laughs> so, you politicking to bump up a, any future ace? No, I just put you had, some common sense out there. Have you had a televised ace? Nope, PGA but tour? I've only
1: made my hole-in-ones on PJ Tour events. And they've never been televised. Really? Yeah, what, way too. What were the two? Uh, Eight at Memorial on Sunday. And Saturday on the Nicholas course, PGA West. Really? Yeah. Yeah, didn't even know it went in. Two volunteers back there. Didn't even know.
0: And you said Memorial was on a Sunday?
1: Yeah. Crazy. Either crazy either nothing.
0: Either one hit you with a little bit of a, a tab after?
1: Uh, The one that... PGA no, but the one at um, at Memorial yes. <laughs> I remember I holed out like four times that week. It was nuts. Um, but when it went in, I didn't even know I was picking up my tee. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Yeah, that's crazy. I, I've going. only had
0: one hole in one in my life, uh, Congaree number ten, and then so it good. was uh, it was the first hole in one on that hole, and I had Tom Fazio cell. And then was able to text him after, like, hey, Tom, you need to make 10 a little harder. Yeah, it was, it's harder. now. <laughs> the, the rare, I mean, uh, I could go my entire life and have one hole-in-one. And to actually have the architect's number for the place that I just had a hole-in-one on, it, it was pretty nuts to be able to text him right after.
1: Yeah, super excited. Uh, obviously, wish we were going to Canada. But um, got to give a shout-out to Congaree because we're going back there. We're going there the week of uh, RBC. Something super exciting. It's a great test of golf. I just can't wait to see how many players show up. Um, but it's just, a, it's going to be a great test of golf.
0: That course is, I mean, we played it together uh, yeah. in quarantine. And that place, when they get it going, it it's pretty pure. It's a good test. It's, I don't think
1: people understand how good that place is. So I'm super excited to go.
0: And finally, I mean, the, 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 Biggest image every Masters week, the green jacket. Favorite garment that's a trophy in golf. What, or what do you think's the the coolest?
1: Uh, any one of the checks would be the coolest <laughs> thing for me. <laughs> uh, I'm just not really into just, that stuff. Just want to get not, paid. Yeah, exactly. Just you know, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion.
0: There's some weird ones, uh, not just in the PGA Tour. European Tour trophies are out there, but PGA Tour has like RBC Heritage next week ha- has that blazer. Then there's the, the tartan one that you get at Colonial, and the Masters has a jacket. There's the like four or five events that give you coats.
1: Yeah, I'm good on the coat. You know, I'm just trying to just try and cash that check. Make sure that thing doesn't <laughs> bounce.
0: So pretty good trio, our first three, Larry Fitzgerald, Luke Rockhold, Scott Van Pelt. Loving the guest list so far. Going to have boy and girl with no job. Pretty dynamic duo. And what are you looking for now that we have three guests down and then a two-headed monster kind of next week? We have a bonus having two guests join the show.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's going to be exciting. I just I'm getting more and more into it. I don't think I'm getting any better, but uh it's it's getting it's just more and more fun, you know, I just enjoy understanding uh everyone's background, what they're really into and just trying to hopefully dig that out of them cuz sometimes, you know, it can be, you know, way harder than I would think cuz it's easier if you ask me. I'm going to be way more open, but you know, just sometimes it's not always that easy.
0: Final uh, Masters Week takeaway. Any, any final thoughts as uh, our listeners get ready to soak up the coverage this week?
1: Uh, I can't wait to play in it. That's about it. That is. That's the only thing that gets in my head. It's you know I want to drive down Magnolia Lane in my car, you know. So that's what I always think about the whole week. How cool that experience is going to be.
0: Ah, that drive. Just, I love seeing the videos. Phil yeah. last year. <laughs> your Miguel Angel Jimenez. That, to me, I wish more guys would share, and I know you don't want to share too much, uh, but share either the drive or what the overall experience is like for them. I can't imagine. I'll be sharing it in my head. <laughs> that is our Master's Week preview for H. I'm George. Make sure to subscribe. We are on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and you can watch us on YouTube next episode dropping next Tuesday. That is a uh, ripping it, with uh, Scott Van Pelt, Harold the III, and I'm George Savarikas.
1: Peace.